The Tenth Collective is an initiative from Revision Path and State of Black Design created to help connect black designers searching for their next opportunity with the companies that want to hire them. So if you're a black designer and you're looking for a new job, go to thetenthcollective.com to sign up for free or check out the link in the show notes. Speaking of jobs, Revision Path's job board is now part of the Tenth Collective, and you can go there to browse job listings, post your own jobs, and sign up for email updates when new job listings are posted. This week on the job board, Old Dominion University is looking for an assistant professor in design, tenure track, in Norfolk, Virginia. For more information on this listing, including a DEI statement, qualifications, salary, and more, visit revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. We're here to help you find your next big opportunity today. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. I mentioned this last week, but a devastating tornado has ripped through my hometown of Selma, Alabama. Um, That happened a couple of weeks ago, and I'm working to help raise money for Selma Tornado Relief with the United Way of Central Alabama. To donate, all you have to do is text the word Selma, S-E-L-M-A, to 62644, and give any amount that you can to help get the city back on its feet. If you want, you can even say that you heard about it through Revision Path. Also, if you send me proof of your donation, I will match it 100% up to the first $1,000 donated. Again, text SELMA, S-E-L-M-A, to 62644. I'll also put this information in the show notes. Now let's talk about one of our sponsors, Hover. Do you have something new that you want to launch this year, like an art project or a podcast or your own website? Whatever it is that you're passionate about and you want to build online, Hover has got your back. Everything online begins with a domain name, and Hover makes the process of choosing and using your domain name a piece of cake. If you get stuck, they have a best-in-class customer support team that can help you out every step of the way. And there's free Whois privacy, meaning you can keep your identity safe from hackers or other bad folks out there. Get started today with Hover by going to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. For 10 years, Revision Path has been dedicated to showcasing black designers and creatives from all over the world. In order to keep bringing you the content that you love, we need your support now more than ever. If you're in a position to help us grow, here's how you can contribute. Visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and click the donate button there to make a one-time, monthly, or annual donation to help keep Revision Path running strong. Thanks for your support. Also, in case you missed the announcement a couple of weeks ago, we now have a new hotline. So if there's something from a particular episode that's really stuck with you, or if there's an interview or a guest that you really love, you can let us know now by leaving us a voicemail message. Just call 626-603-0310. Again, that number is 626-603-0310. 0310. You might just hear your message on a future episode. Again, the number 626-603-0310. In case you didn't catch it, we'll put it in the show notes as well. 
Now for this week's interview. We're ending out the month with a conversation with Dominique Brown. Dominique is an illustrator and the founder of Domo Inc. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Dominique Brown. I'm an illustrator and founder of Domo Inc. How have things been going for you so far this year? It's been going really well. I started the year off with my new collaboration with Target for Black History Month. And also I have a collaboration within the same store of Target with American Greetings where I am selling greeting cards. Oh, that's big. That's big. I'll make sure that we have links to those in the show notes so people can check those out. I saw on TikTok, which is actually how I I first discovered you, I saw a TikTok from uh, Tabitha Brown. She was picking up your stuff in Target. <laughs> it was like she was like, "Oh, I got to get I got to get these coasters and I got to get this." And, and we'll talk about sort of how that all, you know, came about, but it really seems like last year was was quite a year for you and now you're starting off this year with this big collaboration. Like, are there are there any other things you really want to try to accomplish this year? I really want to get back into the fine arts. I think right now with like all these collaborations, there has been like a huge focus on my digital work. I've been lucky with Target and I guess I could say also with American Greetings that they kind of have been, I guess, touching more on my, I guess, like my my artwork on paper. So I really want to build value towards my original artwork because before I started doing digital designs, I was just in class drawing with, with pens and markers. So I think I really just want to get back into, I guess, back to basics and try to get into some more art galleries. Like my huge dream is to get into Art Basel and yeah, just really just get back into just being a fine artist. The digital design work is cool, but I want to have both. <laughs> I'll say, there you go. I'll just say, mm-hmm. I just want both. Be a digital artist and be a, a fine artist at the same time. Okay. Let's jump right in then and talk about Domo Inc., which is your company. Um, I'm looking at the website here and you've got art, you have home decor, you have apparel, and it's all your artwork, which is amazing. Tell me about how you got started creating Domo Inc. Yeah, I think Domo Inc. really just came from me just wanting to have art for my own space. When I first started Domo Inc., I had just moved into my first home and we just had a lot of empty walls. So I was like, okay, let me just go to the store and see if I can find something that spoke to me. I would go to all these different stores and I would see nothing. And say if I did find black art, I felt like it was very like generic. Like it might be just like an African woman sitting there. But I was like, okay, I want something else. Like I want like each space to say something different. Like this room could be filled with abstract art. This room could be line art. I just wanted more variety. So I just started drawing from my own space and posting it on social media. And people were like, I want this. And I was like, okay. So I decided to create my own store and just build it up to offer a variety of like just unique products that will connect to people who are also going through the same thing as me. I think as a Black woman, it's so tough to find art and decor, even apparel that represents you. So I wanted to have it to be like Dumbo Inc. is a a one-stop shop where you can find Black art, Black cultured products 365 days a year instead of having to wait for a retailer to offer a Black History Month collection in order to be able to get something that's Black. And I mean, speaking of social media, I love how you're using social media to kind of provide a glimpse, not just into like your artistic practice, but also where your work is at. You know, like I mentioned, I saw you on TikTok, but you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you have your own TikTok. 
like, how does social media help out with what you do? Does it just help you get to a wider audience? I think social media is, I feel like it like allows you to build your own destiny. I feel like, I feel like before, like, let's say in the nineties where there's no social media, you just have to get discovered from someone walking into an art gallery. But I think what social media has allowed me to make my own art gallery at basically no cost to where I can reach hundreds of thousands of people, especially if a video goes viral. So with me being able to post on social media, it has like allowed me to connect with you. Like, as you said, you saw me on social media. And also even for brands, like brands come across, they might like recently for like Bleacher Report, I had Dilla Illustration for their social media platform. They found me because of a viral video I did of me drawing Martin Luther King with crayon. So I think it's just, Social media is so powerful to where you can really build your dream out through it. I saw that video, too. That's a really good illustration. Thank you. (laughs) How do you approach creating a new piece of art or or a new design project? I think think when I first started, I honestly was drawing for the trend. Like if I saw, like, let's say a celebrity's birthday was coming up, I'll illustrate really quick for that. But I think... I was like, okay, I don't want to just be drawing celebrities. I really want to draw something that's meaningful to me and also could relate to someone in their own home. So I think with me having my own store now, I'm trying to think in a perspective of like, I guess you could really say what's marketable and also just connects with people. So that's why I've been kind of like going more in the direction of drawing like the everyday man or everyday woman. And they're just living life. I think like my artwork is all about positivity and just joy. You'll never see me draw anything like negative. I just really want it to be like when someone looks at my piece, they feel like that could be them. That could be their aunt. That could be their uncle. Something that they can, they want to bring into their home and Mm -hmm. feel good about. Is there like a particular design that you've done that really took off that you weren't expecting? I think it was when I did my black hair series. I really just wanted to, I really wanted something that was very like abstract, but at the same time you can look at it and be like, that's a black woman. That's a black man. So it's literally, it's basically people, their, their hair is black, their skin is black. And if they have any accessories, their accessories will be in gold, like their sunglasses, their earrings. But their their apparel is basically like African textures and tones. And I just did it one day and I just made a whole series out of it. And I posted it on social media and people were just like, I want this. I want this. And I was like, OK, I, I'm like, I, I understand now. I think before me, I was just thinking very about myself of like, OK, I really want art that looks like me it looks like my family my friends and when I posted it everybody else was like that's me that's that's me or that that looks like my grandpa I'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) so you didn't have anyone like particular in mind when you created that no I think I just wanted it was really for myself in a sense of me just I guess from me just dealing with never finding artwork that looks like me when I go shopping and I just posted it and it just took off Now, are there any sort of like unique like challenges or opportunities that you faced doing your work or exhibiting your work as a black designer? Oh, I will say I think that there's still a lack of, I guess, companies wanting to utilize black art. So I do like sometimes I I feel like maybe let's say if I didn't just draw black figures and I just drew, let's say, white figures, I might be able to get more publication i might be able to get more views on videos as you see like i think like when you're watching like i guess like the trend with tiktok as you've seen with like 
Black creators, they have such a harder time being able to get the same amount of money for brand deals or the same amount of views. So I do feel that same kind of like maybe like oppression in a sense as a Black artist. Mm. Yeah, I hear that a lot on TikTok. And in a way, it makes me wonder why people even, well, I wouldn't say why people, why Black creators still mess with the platform considering how like unfriendly it seems to be. But I guess it just has a, a great reach. Mm-hmm. It does have a great reach. And then I feel like if this was TikTok, why wouldn't it be the same with like Instagram or any other platform? So I think mm. it's just something just uh, overall, I guess the thing that we one day, I hope whatever end, it'd be a, it's going to be a really uphill battle to end discrimination. Yeah. But it's just something is, I guess it's for me, I, I'm on TikTok because there's nothing I can do about it. But what I can do is at least try to reach the people who would be interested in having my art in their home. That makes sense. And I'd imagine you're also reaching people there that you might not reach on your other platforms. Like maybe they're not on Twitter that often or Instagram or something, but they're on TikTok. Yeah, that's why I try to post everywhere. Like I'd be posting my artwork on LinkedIn and, and people are on LinkedIn just trying to find a job. But I'm like, hey, you never know who could be watching, you know? Very true. Look, a lot of people get jobs off LinkedIn. So there's, yeah, there's no there is no problem with posting there at all. None. Right. And then at the same time, you might be able to find a job on LinkedIn by posting art. So you never know. So I just try to post everywhere I can and just see see where what what could come from it. It doesn't yeah. hurt. I mean, it doesn't cost anything to post. So might as well. I need to adopt that mentality. I need to think about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Your collection with Target, I, like I said, I saw that on TikTok. I saw that on Tabitha Brown's TikTok. How did that come about? How did that partnership happen? It was so funny is that I didn't even talk to Tabitha. I didn't, there was nothing. I would just all of a sudden, I wake up in the morning and people are like in my DMs, sending me the video. Like, do you see Tabitha Brown po- like posted this? And I'm like, what, what? And I look, and I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. I was sitting there texting my friends, writing people like, that's my cousin. I'm Dominique Brown. She Tabitha Brown. Don't play. <laughs> <laughs> see, I didn't even think of that. I didn't, I didn't even think of that until you said it. So, <laughs> like i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't tell y'all no but it was something really really cool and it just felt good to see like she could have just went in that store and just bought you know or just basically just highlighted her collection she has her vegan food collection this year so it was really nice that she went over to the black history collection she highlighted a few creators and then she walked to the back or she could have did in reverse she could have highlighted her collection first and then threw us at the end but it was just so sweet that she started off by highlighting small businesses. Yeah. How did you first get to to working with Target? Honestly, I like they found me through another brand collaboration. I had a brand collaboration with Jiggy Puzzles. And for that deal, I had created a piece where it's literally like two sneakers walking through California. And it was called Cali Views. I reached out to them. I showed them my, the art piece and then Jiggy Puzzles put my artwork on their next puzzle collection and someone, a target buyer saw it, bought the puzzle and fell in love with it and decided to reach out to me and see if I was interested in doing a collection with them. Now I see the items that are on targets website. Now you've got two pieces of wall art. You've got an art kit. There's some coasters. There's a wall calendar. We'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes so people can go ahead and grab those. If they're not able to get them from their local target. Okay. How do you maintain a sense of like authenticity and individuality in your work while 
it appeals to such a mass audience like target is is mass market it's as big as you can get how do you sort of maintain yourself in your art through that i think what helps me a lot is that my artwork i guess what makes it so authentic is that i am a black woman and i'm literally just drawing from my own experiences and just basically just illustrating what I would want to see. And I think with my background in marketing and also just to like studying PR and advertising design, I feel like I kind of have that idea of like always trying to create something that is marketable to a wider audience instead of just creating just for me. I feel like if I was just drawing for myself, it probably wouldn't be as probably as clean i will say it'd be more of me just doodling or sketching something out mm-hmm. but with me having that mentality of like i'm designing something to that will literally make someone happy and feel like they're represented i'm always trying to illustrate that and at the same time the work that i'm putting out is uh, i guess speaks to me as well yeah now earlier as i was doing my research for this i thought it was super interesting that you were running this mega business of Domo Inc. while also having a nine to five. But as we started recording, you told me that's now changed. Is that right? Yes, that is now changed. I think when I what really pushed me to create Domo Inc. was that I had the ability to work from home. By working from home, it takes away the whole commuting, you getting dressed for work, you taking that long drive home. For my job, it was based in Orange County, that's like an hour drive or two hours in traffic. So I mean, just being at home, it gave me so much more free time than I ever had when I was just working in an office. And that sad, I mean, it's a, it's bittersweet because it was the opportunity for me to work from home came from the pandemic, but you're stuck in the house all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> with me being stuck in the house all the time, and then also the workload had kind of like decreased as well because of people just calling into, um, I guess like for my job, it was just less work to do because there wasn't much to do because of the pandemic. <laughs> so they gave me a, I, it gave me a lot of time to really just figure out how can I run a business. And I just went, just went forward. I never ran a business before, except like having an Etsy store where I'm like selling like pins and earrings a couple of years back. But mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. And I just kind of was just going along. Like I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start selling artwork. I'm gonna start selling apparel. Now I'm gonna start selling plates almost are selling puzzles and it just blew up into what it is now was there like a particular moment that it blew up for you i will say like 2021 it felt like it just it really took off was because i started getting published in different like articles like for buzzfeed and just doing a lot of brand collaborations i think with me collaborating with different companies it brought a lot of awareness to Damo Inc. and also just brought like trustability towards it. It just basically, I think people started to believe in what I was pushing out. Cause I think before, you know, like you can go on Instagram and see someone has a shop, but you like, that's really cute. But I'm like, am I actually gonna get the product? <laughs> yeah. You know, at the time? So I think with me just getting so much, I guess, brand awareness, it really just took off for me where people were buying all the time for me, especially like around, Christmas time when I did CNPC Make It, I had so many sales every single day. My, my original artwork was selling and I saw my original artwork like up to like $5,000 and just to wake up and see that. And my account was just absolutely insane. So I guess if I had to like pinpoint a certain moment of where I felt like I really made it with Domo Inc. was CNBC. 
Wow, that is amazing. That is really amazing. Sounds like that really, I mean, that big press really kind of helped out because it got your work out there nationwide, probably worldwide. Yeah, it, it really did. Because I, I was getting orders from like Australia and United Kingdom. I'm like, you guys want to play that international shipping? It just really <laughs> felt, <laughs> it just felt like really good because it was like, there's so many artists in this world. There's like, and for someone to sit there and, and just want my artwork in that small space of their bedroom or large space behind their couch it just it was just, it was just a really good feeling to know like okay what i'm creating is meaningful out here it's yeah. not like just like something i'm just throwing against the wall so i just it just felt good well let's learn more about the artists behind the arts i mean we spent this time talking about domo inc and we'll get into more of kind of the brand collapse and stuff you've done later but tell me more about where you grew up you're originally from pomona california is that right yes I am from Pomona, California. It's a cool city. There's nothing to do in California. I mean, well, not in California, but I mean, in Pomona. I will say that Pomona is known for the L.A. County Fair. <laughs> I was like, that was like the big highlight of it. But I think what was like kind of, I think what kind of like shaped me as an artist to want to illustrate more, I guess, be more of a black, like, I guess I'll say I'll draw more black art was that when I was growing up, it wasn't that many black kids <laughs> where I was growing up. I was, mm. I Pomona is uh is Hispanic. Like it's basically like the majority of Pomona is Hispanic. So for me, I was growing up, my best friends were all Hispanic. So but I think like me had my I guess my first culture shock was me being around but like basically being a majority of black people was when I worked at the post office, surprisingly. That's when I started working out in LA. So mm-hmm. that's when I did my my shift. I think it was like very educational too, in a sense, because before I'm always around Hispanics, I guess I'll say my culture was Hispanic in a way. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, when I'm out at school and everything, but obviously when I'm at home, that's black culture time. Me spending time with my cousins in LA and stuff. So I've always kind of just been out in LA really most of my life. I grew up with Mona, but I spent a lot of time in LA working or hanging out with family. Now, were you doing a lot of drawing and stuff as a kid too? I was doing a lot of illustrations. I think for me, drawing was my escape from school. Even though I have a master's, I never was a school kid. I will say, I don't know how I did it. I look back and be like, how did I do that? I never focused. Like I will say, I could like look at my like college notes or my elementary notes. And there's always a drawing on the side of it. I've always, I was like literally my escape from having to be bored in class or just be bored just anywhere I was, it could be like a long drive from from my home to, to Vegas for vacation and I'm drawing in the car. So art was definitely like an escape and it was just fun for me. I never really thought about being an artist when I grew up. It was just like a, like a little passion project, I guess I'll say a hobby. Okay. So it was a hobby, but you didn't necessarily like think like, oh, this is something that I could do like for a living. No, I think it was because I guess like for me, it was like, OK, how, how do you even be an artist? Like, how do you become, I guess now, like the, the, the huge artists are like Carrie James Marshall or like Lisa Butler. How do you get to that level? I I just thought it was just like you have to know somebody. And I'm like, I, I live in Pomona. Like, yeah. There's nothing going on out here. Like, am I supposed to get discovered at the fair? Like, where am I supposed to get discovered? <laughs> you know, so it was just like I felt like where I was, there was nothing for me. So mm-hmm. I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to study into the plan B options. I'm like, okay, I could be a graph designer anywhere. I could be, 
I can do marketing for any company, but to be an artist, I don't, I don't understand how to do that. So I'm going to focus on something that I, I can easily go on Indeed and apply for. I got you. I got you. I mean, I grew up in a, in a small town too, smaller than Pomona, but I grew up in a small town and I know what you mean. Like when you're pursuing or when you have this kind of creative aptitude, it's hard to tell, or if you don't see it around you, if you don't see examples around you of like, how can I turn this into something? Like, is this just going to be a hobby that I do? Because I don't know how I could like do this for a living. So I I get exactly where you're coming from there. Yeah. Now you've mentioned your MBA. You went to Cal Poly Pomona, majored in public relations, and you said you have an MBA. That's in marketing from CSU Dominguez Hills. How has your education in marketing and PR helped you out as a design entrepreneur? I think it helped out a lot. I think with me going to school, I'm like when I'm in, when I was in school for like I was in school from 2011 to 2019. So I think of me just always constantly working on, I guess, campaigns, my homework, my presentations. I'm always trying to create ways to how do you like I think like one of my class projects was like, how do you save Chipotle when they had that whole E. coli PR crisis? So it was like learn like we had to make like a fake campaign, create fake ads, how like to bring bring a customer base back. So I think with me just always loving how to build a brand has led to me doing it with Domo Inc. to where I have full control of it in a sense. Like I'm not working with some other company's logo or anything. It's me. Everything is me. When you look at your body of work, I mean, of everything that you've done so far, is there like a particular project or or a piece of art that you're the most proud of? I will say my, my deal with Target is probably like my biggest one, I will say, because like for me, I always grew up going to Target. I worked at Target. So it's like oh. a full circle. Yeah. <laughs> that is a full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work at Target and I think it was just funny because when I worked at Target, I was like, I was just, I didn't care. I think I was just like, I started working there. Uh, I was like 18. Yeah. I was 18 years old when I worked, at, worked there. It was like my second job I ever had. And I just came to work. I didn't care. I was like just ringing up. I was a cashier. I was just ringing up people. And I didn't even show up my last week. I was a seasonal employee. And they were like, you're, oh, they're like, okay, we're, you're done with your seasonal time. And I was like, okay. And I just never came back. They're like, you have to like, they're like, uh, they're like, oh, are you gonna come back for the last week? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm just gonna just go. So I left <laughs> on a bad note. It was just so bad. So it was just funny. So when Target reached out to me, and I told them my story about me working at Target. I was like, they're probably going to say no to me. They're like, they're going to look at my record and be like, she never came to work. She didn't even show up her last week of work. She's terrible, but I'm a new person now. <laughs> I, <looked> <laughs> I mean, we can't, we can't be held responsible for those like early jobs in our career. I mean, yeah. You charge that one to the game. You, you're good with well, that. Got to, yeah. I was like, that was 10 years ago. Now I'm older now, but. I think they, I think that probably even helped me too with me like getting the deal with Target was just me just talking about I used to work there. So yeah. it was definitely a full circle moment for me. So and then also I like Target so much is like because the product line is a representation of the variety of styles that I do. Like the coasters is line art. The art prints is my artwork that I did on paper that's been just been converted to art print. The mugs is my fine artwork and the calendar that they sell has more of my digital artwork in different styles. So it was just really nice to just have like this full representation of me and then just have Domo Inc. to be inside a Target. Like it wasn't just like, oh, 
they just do my artwork on something and then like it's just my name in the corner like if you look at the packaging it says Domelink it has my name it has a picture of my face it was just really cool to just see like how far my business has grown since the pandemic now a lot of artists I'm seeing now are kind of wrapped up in a bunch of different kind of I guess tech intersections I guess that's kind of a good way to talk about it like I know Last year, there was a lot of talk about artists making NFTs. And then this year, well, also last year, probably going into this year too, a lot of talk mm-hmm. about AI-generated art, stuff like that. Do you think about the future of the art and design industry and how it might be impacted by tech? Like, do you see your work in those in those capacities? Um, yeah, I, I guess like the first thing would be like NFTs. I wish I was, I was like ahead of the game with that. I have a friend who recently made a hundred thousand dollars in one day selling NFTs. And I'm like, how the heck? Yeah. I was like, dang, what was I doing during that time? But like, I feel like with, I guess when the economy probably gets some stability, I think NFTs will probably definitely grow. Like I went to designer con a few months ago, I think it was in, in November and People were like just standing in line, just trying to get them a a rare NFT. So I definitely think it's probably something that will stick around once the economy gets back together. As you see with like Bitcoin dropping or if you got your money in stocks, it's it's on the the negative right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um, But I think with the AI generated thing, I think it sucks because in a sense that like, let's say like, let's say that person was going to buy a digital portrait from someone but then they, with this AI-generated art, they can just make their portrait for free or just download an app and pay $8. So I think it definitely hurts artists who are their businesses based off of commissions. And then also this whole AI-generated thing is also stealing people's art to make those art. I mean, the little AI thing. So it's definitely, it's cool, but it's definitely hurtful to artists overall. Yeah, one interesting thing that I saw from that, I think it was like late last year, is not just people, of course, sharing this art like widely over social media, but also just how many people, and I'll be blunt, how many black people were like, I can't believe y'all are paying for that. You paying $8 for, you pay money for that? Like the gross devaluing of creative work is mind blowing to me, first of all. Oh, yes. I don't know. Did you see that? Did you see those kind of things I did. going on? I did see that. I think it's definitely true. Even for like, let's say, even for me like, as an artist, or like someone asks me to draw them a picture and I'll tell them, let's say they like, want something like s- super crazy. Like they're like, we want a three foot drawing or something. I'm like, you know, it's going to cost a couple thousand. That's time. And they're just like stunned by it. It's like yeah. you're paying for my time. And also you're just paying for me just having to use my, my, my supplies. I'm shipping it to you. Like you have to think about it. Like just because I, I draw for fun doesn't mean I want to draw you for free. Right. And also Um, just with materials and stuff like that and time, like all that costs money. Yeah. And then I think people have to take into the fact that it it is your time. And also you're paying for the person's past too. Like the person spent 10 years to get to this level. Mm -hmm. So you're paying for that experience as well. Cause I mean, yeah, you can go to college and maybe get a kid to draw something for $50, but will it look that great? And then even if it is really great, how do you feel good ripping them off? Like they still smell a good amount of time doing that. Like you wouldn't want to work for $5 an hour. So why would you want an artist to do so? Right. One thing that I've been telling some artists 
is that inevitably people are going to still, I mean, they're still going to use this AI generated art. Cause to me, like this is just the next step from people doing like FaceTune or a little face app or Photoshop, whatever here. And they're like, this is kind of the next step from that. Cause you're already seeing people use them for like avatar pictures and stuff like that. I've seen them on yeah. dating apps. So like people are already, oh my God. yeah, like <laughs> people are already going the distance with this. Right. But I told some artists, especially ones that do commissions, I'm like, look, if anybody brings you AI art, just don't do it. Cause somebody's going to come to an artist and be like, yeah, I made this with Lenza or mid journey or whatever. Can you change this? Can you touch this up? And I'm saying, I'm telling them, don't do it. Like, just say no. Yeah. And also, you don't want to, I guess, too, like, I guess a lot of this AR art is from stolen artwork. So you yeah. don't want to attach your name to something. And then someone's like comes out and says, you just stole my artwork. Like all you did was add, change the color of the hair. You know, you want to get involved in it. And also you're just basically supporting people getting the artwork stolen. Right. I, I heard that Getty Images is like suing uh, stable diffusion and I think another AI art makers. I think it's stable diffusion and mid journey, like suing both of them because yeah, like their system scraped some Getty images stuff. And like now people are generating, like when people try to generate the images, they'll come out with like a mangled Getty images watermark. Cause you know, they put that big oh watermark on all their pictures. So I think it's certainly something that I don't know what legislation is going to do with relation to that, but I mean, I kind of feel like the cat's out of the bag. People are still going to use it. Now, whether or not they value it, that's a whole that's a whole other story. Yeah, I don't think it probably won't. I don't know if it'll be valuable that, like, if you became an AR artist. But I don't know. that it, It's so new. Like, for me, I haven't really dabbled with it too much. Because every time when I tried, I do not like how the portrait looks. I'm like, I don't know who this person's supposed to be. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i definitely see like where it's going to be a lot of complication like i guess issues with it but i don't know i feel like if people are using it for their profile pictures it kind of reminds me of like back in the day where people would use the the cartoon filter for their pictures right um, right so or the I snapchat filters or stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah yeah I yeah think more of like a little trend for right now and then once eventually people just get over it yeah, which is that it's actually interesting. Snapchat, the week that we're recording this, uh, uh-huh. Snapchat is actually discontinuing one of their apps. It's called Snap Camera. Like you can download it for your laptop. So you can use Snapchat filters on like your webcam. Okay. They're discontinuing that. They're like, we're not doing this anymore. I think part of it is because they fired like thousands of people last year. Oh. But I'm wondering though, if we'll start to see some companies kind of pull back on like AI for art purposes. I mean, I think AI is already being used in a lot of stuff anyway. Like Photoshop has been using AI for years now with content fill aware or content aware fill and stuff like that. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future, especially as more companies start to like throw legislation or throw lawsuits, I should say, behind this stuff. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. Now, we're starting to see a lot more like black fine artists and their work kind of being exhibited to the mainstream. I'd say this has really picked up over the past like decade or so. Like we have Kehinde Wiley and Amy Sherald. They painted the Obamas. You've got television shows that feature black art. We had a fine artist on last year, Dawn Okoro. Her work was used in, I think it was the first Wives Club on BET. I think it was used for that show. You've collaborated with a show. You collaborate with FX Networks uh, yes. to do some work for their show Snowfall. What do you think about this kind of exposure? 
I think it's amazing. I think, especially for the artists, because shows will pay you to have your artwork in their show. I think for like, like, like for me personally, my artwork was in HBO's Insecure. So in one of the episodes, like Issa Rae um, walked right past. It was a, it was an illustration I did of Nipsey Hussle. Or oh, nice. even for another show I had done was a Black Lady Sketch Show. So mm. for season three, my artwork is featured throughout the show. So it was definitely cool because a lot of people reached out to me because they recognized my artwork. They're like, oh my God, your artwork's in this scene right here. And I was like, okay. I, like, I, like I said <laughs> earlier, and like, you know, like, like I said like earlier in the interview is that with your artwork being in so many different places, it starts to just build awareness towards you to where people can understand the value of your work. It's just very helpful, I'll say. I can imagine, like, like you said, your artwork's all over the place. Do you just find out about it, like, when it's shown, or do they give you a heads up? They do give you a heads up because a lot of times, um, like, like I knew that my art was going to be in the in in Insecure. I didn't know which episode it would be. I never got that kind of information. I mean, I watched Insecure anyways, so I was just sitting there watching it the whole season, and it was literally like I think the artwork appeared in like the second or third to last episode. So like all that whole season, I'm just like looking everywhere. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Or even for like, or like for Black Lady Sketch Show, I was just like looking around too. Like, where is it? I want to see a piece. Cause they had bought a lot of my artwork for it as well. Um, so it's, it's really cool. I think it's, it feels good that people can recognize your artwork. It's just weird in a sense of like, wow, like, you know, my piece that well, like you can, you can just see it blurred in the corner and you know, that's me. Like it's, it's a feel good moment. I mean, that's gotta be a great moment. I mean, your work's on TV, your work's in target. Like that's major. That's major, major, major. Thank you. (laughs) Who are some of the folks that have like really motivated and inspired you over the years? Like I, I can imagine like doing all this, you've probably got like a great support system behind you. I will say, I will say my dad definitely as I will say like as my, my day one motivator, I think, especially when I was in high school, I had did like a program called Rhyme and Arts. So every Saturday I would go to USC and do classes. So he would drive me, he would drive me from Pomona to LA. Now like an hour drive. And also even my mom too, as well. They would just drive me to LA and back. So they always kind of like push for me to be an artist. They would I was just taking time out of their day. Like, you know, that's their weekend from work. And they would just take me down there. And then they will stay down in LA for like three to four hours as I as I did my class at USC and then take me back home. Cause that was like during high that was like when I was in high school. Also, they've always like for my mom's, like for Christmas every year, she would always buy me like, I guess like an artist kit they would sell. And it would have like crayons, markers, color pencils, and like this big old like I wouldn't say like a booklet, but it was like a big old cassette kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I know those art kits, they've got like all the like waxy color pencils and stuff in them. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I used to always get every single year when I was growing up, my mom would buy me one of those. And so I think they always pushed me to always be an artist, but they definitely were always like very like pushing me to do, to basically have like a career somewhere. And then I will say, like, now with me having a fiancé, I think, like, when I met him, I think I wasn't thinking as big scale. But having him around, I was able to set up my own booth. 
Like I had to do like a booth at 66 Night Market. Um, okay. That was before I was like Domo Inc. I think I was just, I just do my, I just do a banner up. It was like art by Dominique, come through, you know? <laughs> I was doing mm-hmm. art prints, earrings and pins and stuff. But like, if I didn't have him, I probably, I wouldn't have nobody like set up a big old booth for me. Like he had made the booth by hand. Like he had bought some pipes and, and connected them and boom, we had a tent. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, he like set up all like the whole everything inside of the booth, and I'm not crafty. No one in my family's that crafty, so it would not have came out as well without him. So I just I will say like my family has been very like a huge force behind me just being an artist. So even when I had my first solo art show in 2018, my dad and my 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 fiance, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, they were there like all day just hanging my artwork on the wall putting the hangers on the back of the pieces so me just having like i guess like a whole village behind me or even from like my 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 extended family like my aunt they've always come out to my shows buy pieces or and also my friends just posting my artwork on their instagram or sharing it or even like for my target collection it just felt really good that they to the timeout to drive to their local Target and just buy a mug, just buy something to just show support behind me. Or, and also just me, just being on social media, a huge support system is just people like followers. Just they'll send you a, a sweet message out of nowhere. I look at my DMs and see someone just write me and say, thank you for posting the things that you're doing because it inspires me. So that is like a huge motivation to like, just overall of people just telling me like, keep going. You know, I'll say this to anybody that's listening that that has a friend that is an entrepreneur, buy their stuff. That is the best way that you can help support what they do. I mean, I think, you know, like social media posts and things like that is great, but like actually putting some money in your pocket, best way to help out. Such a such a great way to support. Yeah, no, it is. Like when I had when I did my solo art show, it was like my first art exhibition. It was in Pomona, which was cool. I had like friends from high school just come down and just buy a print. Like I had my, I was selling like little small prints for like $5 just starting off. And they just came down there and bought an art print just to say like, Hey, keep doing it. You know? And it, it does, it means a lot to you. Even if it's a little small purchase, it's just really nice to feel like, like, dang, I made a connection in this person's life. Like they came out here and bought something. They might not even like it, but they're just doing it just to basically push your dreams forward. Yeah. What advice would you give for any designers out there that are listening, they're hearing your story, and they want to break into like design entrepreneurship and work with brands like you have? What would you tell them? I will definitely say be okay with the answer of no or rejection. I think like when I first started out, I was just posting my artwork and getting no likes on it when I first started. It used to bother me at first. I'm like, why am I even posting it, you know? It may want to give up or I let's say I have let's say like a brand does reach out to me and they say like, hey, we want to use your artwork for this billboard. And two weeks later, you don't hear nothing from them no more. So you have to be like okay with the rejection at first. It's definitely not gonna be like you post your artwork that one piece and it just blows up and you're drawing for target next. You know, it's you may get lucky. I mean, that's like a, like a one in a billion chance, but you definitely have to be able to handle the slow growth. That's like, like the hardest part. I think that's what makes people give up is that first part of like, 
you're selling your like for me i started off on etsy and i was selling my art prints i didn't get no sales for months and i could i could easily just shut it down but i was like i'm just gonna keep my listings up and something has to hit eventually i just kept drawing and drawing and stuff but what really helped me too a lot was like when i first started out i had a nine to five so that kind of kept me grounded to where i didn't become desperate for my business i had a steady income coming so I think that helped me a lot with just being able to handle that slow movement. What do you appreciate the most about your life right now? I think I just appreciate that me just sticking to my my passion of just marketing and design and art has led me to having my own home, like in California. I think as I've just been really just taking like a moment to just appreciate how far I've come when I first started drawing or just like, or me just looking back at me, like when I was in college, I didn't have no money. I was like, I would buy like one burrito and eat off of it all day. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it's just weird now to be like right now, like with me trying to do a careers transition to where I want to go into more of an entertainment and tech field of doing marketing or being an art director it's a really good feeling to know like I'm being sustained by my art. It's super weird to just be at this point and still be in, like I said, like I have a house in California. Like I always said to myself, like California is really, really expensive. (laughs) And it does, it just seems weird to get this far and be able to have these kind of accomplishments and accolades under myself. And this year I turned 30 and it's a good feeling to know I got this far knowing where I came from. It's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah, it's the journey. And you have to like, and you definitely have to appreciate every step of the way. I think it's really easy to get caught up in what you want in front of you, but you're not thinking about like what you have right now is what your past you was dying to have. Yeah. Do you have a dream project that you'd love to do one day? I think you kind of alluded to to one earlier. Oh my gosh. I think my I think my 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 passion project right now is uh, well, I guess like what I'm really trying to build up to is being in being in art museums and a big one is like Art Basel. I really want to get in that. I really I just really want to just get my my artwork in front of some people in a gallery. Like I it's just a really good feeling when I go into a gallery and have my artwork in there and I see people just standing there looking at it. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, really want to get back into the fine arts. That's my my thing. Have you exhibited any art locally, like in Pomona? I have. When I had my, my first solo art exhibit, and then also I had my artwork in the Chafee Museum of Art out in Ontario, California. That was like recently. So I exhibited like eight, nine pieces there. Okay. Um, so, well, my latest one was in Ontario. That made me really want to get back into drawing more on paper to be able to get into more museums because it was a really good feeling because and also it led to a lot of people reaching out to me interested in buying my work so i was like oh this is another place to keep building brand awareness towards me and also even for Dom Wayne because i always try to make sure to throw that in my bio <laughs> that i'm a founder of my own art yeah. home decor business so i definitely just want to just kind of just I guess get my hands into everything that I can that's within my education and skills. Mm. Now, gallery work aside, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like, is there any particular kind of work you want to be doing or anything like that? Yes, I really want to, in the long run, 
eventually I'll probably get out of the, like, I guess, corporate space and really just focus on Domo Inc. I really want to also just start my own, like, marketing firm, too. Uh, with a lot of people reaching out to me, trying to find out how they can do the same thing, like how they monetize their art. Um, I really want to be able to become a mentor and offer courses and just educate people because there's so many people who just don't know where to start. Like, for me, I didn't know where to start, but somehow I was able to make it work but I just try to think about the people who don't have that aha moment just by sitting there so I just wanted to be able to offer more resources and help people just like me be able to get some money and just be able to have financial freedom because everyone deserves to be able to afford shelter food everything so if I can help someone have their own place I'm happy Now, just to kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more information about you, your work and everything? And of course, we'll put links, like I said, to the the Target collection in the show notes. But where can they find out more about you online? To find out more about me and my artwork and also shop for my artwork and home decor and apparel, you can go to damoinc.com. It is D-O-M-O-I-N-K.com. All right. Sounds good. Well, Dominique Brown, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Really thank you for sharing your your story. I think, you know, it's one thing to kind of see the success on social media and people can kind of have one perception about it. But I hope that from people listening to your story and hearing just how like upbeat and authentic you are about the work that they'll see that, you know, this is something that maybe they can achieve too. I mean, the success that you've gotten over these past few years is really inspirational. And I can't wait to see what you do next. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Like, thank you. Big, big thanks to Dominique Brown. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Dominique and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Revision Path is sponsored by Hover. Building your online brand has never been more important, and that begins with your domain name. Show the online community who you are and what you're passionate about with Hover. With best-in-class customer service, free Whois privacy, and more, Hover is there to help you bring your online dreams to life. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio located in Atlanta, Georgia. Our executive producer is Maurice Cherry, and our editor and audio engineer is RJ Basilio. Intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Transcripts are provided by Brevity and Wit. If you like this episode, let us know. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Revision Path, all one word. Or you could follow us on Spotify or Amazon Music. Or leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Or leave us a message on our new hotline, 626-603-0310. Any way you choose, we would love to hear from you. And also, if you really want to show your support for Revision Path, then you should pick up some of our merch. We're in the process of revamping our merch store so you can get your nice t-shirts, an embroidered hoodie, a notebook, a coffee mug. Not sure when we're going to completely revamp it. Like I'm looking to do it maybe in the next month or two, certainly before the end of March. Uh, But definitely uh, pick something up now while you can before we refresh the store uh, with our new stuff. We even have stickers. 
uh, just go to revisionpath.com, click on merch at the top of the page, or click or tap the link in the show notes. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>